0: And welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke. And in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Cherie Stokes, I'm so excited to have you on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to it.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to be doing this. <laughs>
0: Well, let's start off with telling everybody a little bit about you. So what do you do now? What are you doing and why are you doing it?
1: Okay, so small um, question. Basically (laughs) I I run my own gallery now. So um and and I paint. Um an Aboriginal artist, a contemporary Aboriginal artist, and I I paint and I love to paint. Um and so I I opened my own gallery first of October officially last year. Wow, uh-huh. so
0: for anyone that's listening, that's 2020, just yes. as we were being let out after the pandemic.
1: It was. The it was. first um, I mean, this is really hard and I always hate saying it in terms of I don't want to insult anybody else, but 2020 ended up being a bloody awesome, oh, sorry. And no, really no, awesome. You can
0: say bloody awesome. You can even say shit if you want to. It's all right. That's <laughs> a really <laughs>
1: awesome year for me. So, yeah. And and regardless of what's happen, happening around the pandemic side of things, 2021 is looking like it's going to be even better. So, yeah, yeah,
0: amazing. So, let's just tell everyone where you are because you're not in a capital city. So, you haven't been locked down as much as the rest of us.
1: No, we're really lucky out here and people have been very sensible as well. So, we are probably stricter on ourselves um, than what the city people are. So uh, I'm in central west New South Wales in a little village called Trundle. Um, and I've set my gallery up here um, so I could sell my art. Well, I'm just so, so excited
0: to hear your story. So was there um, a light bulb moment? Was there something that happened that made you go, I'm going to set up this gallery and I'm going to start doing this art? Because I don't there think you've was- done it all your life, have you?
1: No, 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 I haven't. So um, there, there were two things. There were two things that happened. So in 2019, for the month of July, I got to be uh, the resident artist in the Wendjeri Gallery at Ezra Resort. And I had a lot of people. It was so funny. I went all the way up there to meet my neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cool. But I had all these people, especially travelers, the ones that travel around all the time, saying, you know, can we have a card? Where are you? We'd love to come and see you at your studio. And where I was living, the cottage I had, it it wasn't a doable thing. It's physically not doable for a lot of those travellers to be able to drive their vehicles into where I was. Um, But also because uh, it was private property that I didn't own, I I couldn't have other people coming in and, and I didn't really, it's a little tiny cottage and every time I painted a, a large painting. I actually moved myself onto a mattress on the lounge floor and painted it on my bed because that was the biggest space I had in the house right. to do it on. So, so there was that, and then, so that was around th- that that happened in the July. I travelled back. I got settled. Can I, I just ask, and,
0: and we'll we'll get to your other story a bit or your whole yeah, life yeah, story yeah. a bit later. But how did you end up being invited up to his Rock in the first place?
1: Ah, oh. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, a a family member slash friend, um, took her girls up there 2018 for a holiday and was talking to me when she came back and saying how um, she was going to let Uncle Eddie know they run a a program where they have artists come in and be resident Ah. artists. And I said, and what about me, girl? And she went, oh, I forgot about you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she just told me the name and I started emailing and I just kept emailing. Oh, and my God, email, I, you, right? I, I put on it who I was, what I was, put my website, etc. and it just kept getting passed through people until the manager of the gallery up there uh, ended up with it and contacted me and said, oh, I absolutely love your art. I think it would go really well up here and we'd love to invite you to come up. Um, then she was saying, Oh, it takes about two years. We've booked up ahead two years. She said, But I really want you here. Leave it with me. And she got back to me and said, We've booked you in for like six months later. Wow.
0: Um, and put you Amazing. in. So.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool.
0: So oh, well, it is, But it's also pretty cool that you didn't give up, which I love, love, love about you. So anyway, I interrupted you. You were talking about your little right. cottage and so, having to paint so, on your bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the first thing was that up at Uluru, I had all these people wanting to come. And, yep. and I also learned at Uluru that when people can physically be in front of my art and touch it, because it's meant to be touched, um, mm. that they bought it. They fell in right. love with it and they bought it. Um, so... So I I knew, you know, I need a place where people can do that. And then um, so a couple of months later in the January I was babysitting my daughter's house who lives out of Trundle here and for some reason a couple of buildings for sale in the local area um, that would be suitable for a gallery slash, you know, workshop sort of area Came up and I thought, why I've not been searching for anything, so why would those ads turn up on my my page? And I went, the universe is at work here. Yeah, so that's what I would thought, have thought too. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm going to um, follow up on these. So I started following up, and and they like each one I followed up was falling through. And in the end, I said, okay, if I'm meant to come back to here to have my gallery, then something will happen to cause that. To you know, happen. If I'm meant to stay at the cottage and something happens over there, that will happen. And I just, I'm really good at that. I just do those things, leave it out there, and then every opportunity that comes up in front of me, I just follow it through. And of course, I ended up here. So, amazing. So So that's what happened.
0: Right, okay, so your I want to hear your story, I am dying to hear your story actually. <laughs> so let can we go back to, I don't know, you as a little girl, tell me your life story.
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, I grew up, I grew up I guess with a mother who um, uh, a mother who taught me a few things which, it took me a long time to realize we're actually really good value. So one right. thing she taught us was that there's always other people worse off than us. So when, when I mean, the other thing I've learned too is to accept the fact that I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional household right. um, and that's a fact, you know. Yep. Uh, it's not something I complain about or whinge about or, or cry about. It's just, it is a fact. It was pretty dysfunctional. My dad, because of what had happened to him, he he was an alcoholic. So probably at least once a month he went on a bender, which entailed us hanging outside the pub, the local pub, him getting in fights, you know, us often getting in the car and following people as they went home so he could finish a fight. Um, oh my God! Like yeah, you really, no, it was, the fighting it was, spirit.
0: It what what pretty, did happen to him? Was he one of the stolen generation,
1: or yes? Was it my, my dad else? and um, my dad and his brother were taken when they were about seven or eight. Oh. Um, we we don't know lots. We just know bits, and I only found out little bits years later. I guess right. when my dad was watching. A program and I came home and he got quite embarrassed because he was crying and so he got really embarrassed and sort of to cover that he got a bit angry and said well this is you know this is what this happened, what happened. Um, right. but only tell me a little bit the little bit was that him and his brother were taken they were put in the Brisbane jail or a, a jail in Brisbane for a couple of nights the nuns came and got them he had no idea what happened to his brother after that he oh, was sent out oh. to central Queensland somewhere onto a property where he was basically treated like a dog. A he was put out in a yeah back shed, Gosh. basically lived on rural sort of things from what I understand. Um, he didn't oh, really talk really. about what they did on a day-to-day basis to him, but you can imagine from all the yeah. stories. Um, um, and he was an alcoholic by the time he was 16. Yeah,
0: And, and, and you can't really say anything other than, you know, Thank God it wasn't me, but it could exactly oh. you know that it's not an unreasonable thing to become an but alcoholic when we, you have that we kind grew of thing, up, happen to you? We
1: grew up with um, we grew up with going to the same town where a lot of his family were. It took him fifteen years to find anyone again. It took him a oh he never gosh. really connected with his family apart from maybe two siblings. Um, that that just never happened. Um, just ruin your life. So he. <laughs> You know, and he made choices, he, and he allowed it to ruin his life. But he never used to take us to his family up there. Um, right. So, so I, out of thirteen siblings, uh, one of them being my dad, I only ever knew uh, one auntie and one uncle. Wow. Um, so, and and we never spent a lot of time with him. He used to. We we used to go up to my mum's side. So she was a white woman. We used to go up to. Her side, her grandmother was up there, and he would go, sometimes taking mum, sometimes not, and go and visit his family, but we wouldn't wouldn't be able to go. And I grew up hating him for that. I I really did until as an adult, as a mum, I went to university to get my teaching degree and came across um, in the Aboriginal unit there, came across all these old Policies and documents, and realized two things. One, that my brother and I were born in the stolen generation days. And of course, the wider you were, the more chance you had of being taken.
0: Right. So,
1: so we were born in a time where we could have been taken also, uh, which would have made a third generation of stolen children then, because my grandmother oh. was as well. Um,
0: and your dad And would the never other have thing was that, that until
1: the day, the end of the, the year, the day I left year 10. my education, that if somebody in that school, teacher, principal, parent, whatever, found out I was Aboriginal and wanted me not to be there, that all they had to do was tell the principal, the principal would have said, uh, go home and don't come back. So with no explanation, I could have had my schooling stopped at any time up until then. And that just blew me away. That was 1977.
0: It's hard to believe that that was law. That was like government kind of dictating that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So it was, it was, yes, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So, yeah, so I had a lot of angst towards my dad for a long time, plus plus the fact of what happened because of his um, alcoholism and things like that. Yeah. But having said that, they ended up buying a house. My dad always worked. He always worked. The one thing I knew that he valued was me topping my class through school.
0: Great. That was a
1: big thing for him. Apart from that, I didn't feel like he valued me at all. Um, right. I felt like my brother was, was the one, he was older, but you know, um, and it's been interesting because talking to him, we both had the opposite sort of view, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I, I knew he valued the education side of it. Um, he got worse as he got older. Mum ended up leaving him while he was quite violent. Um, as a teenager, when my brother left home early, he joined the Navy at 15 to get away. Um, yeah. Because as teenagers, my dad would still give us a hiding. Um, right. And, and did that and leave my you brother, on your
0: own with your mum and dad?
1: Yeah. So he left me alone and my mum, they were working. We'd moved by then from cooler. We'd grown most of our life up around cooler. Um, we'd moved down in Maitland and yep. so they were working at the, uh, Brad Mills. It was like a, yeah, linen factory type thing. Um, and she used to do the dog, what the night shift. Right. And so she'd leave to go and he would come home and then he would start drinking and oh. then i would end up getting flogged all the time and then i'd tell mum when he came home but then she'd say show me the bruises which ironic i found really ironic actually because she knew herself that my dad was an expert at hitting you where they weren't going to show um but anyway so i escaped as soon as i could um how uh, old were you 16 wow and and i i left home i left the state i left with i left with a suitcase that I'd been given for my Christmas present, $20 cash my mother put in there. Um, and they paid for my ticket to Queensland. And, oh and I went to Queensland. Oh my God, Cherie, at 16. I, I know at the time it was, it was just, I, I used to be so, um, if my dad said, you can't, I did. Right. You know, it, it, it had, I, I'd gone from being a really, we were raised up don't speak until spoken to, children are meant to be seen and not heard, all that yep. sort of stuff. And, and as a teenager, I learned to become defiant because it was the only way I could stop the violence um, Yeah. Uh, sort of, yeah, um, which wow. at that stage by the time I left had become certainly a weekly occurrence if not a daily occurrence you know, so it it's was, amazing
0: to see how positive and cheerful you are because it, you know, it turns people either way. You could have been, you know, like your dad and this could have absolutely destroyed you, but look what it did. It just put fire in your belly and you you just, I could tell went, no, nope, I'm not doing that.
1: <laughs> I was, I was quite self-destructive. I was 13 the first right. time. I've uh, got to plug in my battery. Um, I was 13 the first time I tried to kill myself. Like, properly tried to kill myself. I was probably, looking back, I was probably 9 or 10, the first time I really had a bad depressive episode where I wanted to die but didn't know how to. So, like, yeah, life wasn't. But my mum, my mum always said, you think you've got it bad? And she always had an example of somebody we knew to say, Look at these kids. So, growing up around Cooler, when we would go, dad would go on those benders about once a month when he got paid. She was able to point to another family there that we went to school with, whose dad was at the club every weekend. Yeah. You know, like, and, and there was. And I, but I still did a lot of things that were quite self destructive. I've, I've done a lot of growing in my life <laughs> um, to get to where I am. I, I say um, I say that I won't change anything even though things that have happened to my kids etc I'd probably like to we all would as parents we'd like to stop bad things for them but having said that even having to deal with those things have all made me who I am That's so right. so I don't want to in those terms because if I didn't I might have been a terrible person and yeah it's it's I got to 50 and it was the most awesome age. I celebrated it really well. Everybody else is going, "Oh my god, I'm 50." And I'm going, "Yes, I'm 50," you know, like I I made it. <laughs> well, I did. I ended up I got pregnant very young because Yeah, um, so let's
0: go back. Let's go back. So you were uh, right. you left school at 16 uh, left home at 16. I left home at 16
1: with, and I went $20. up to Queensland. What
0: did you do? How did I went you even up to survive? Queensland
1: basically to be with a boy that I'd met Six months before when we'd gone up for holidays or something. Okay. Um, and so he was my first proper boyfriend, I guess, um, and I went up to be with him and um, uh, I ended up pregnant and I ended up having a miscarriage and because of something uh, I tried to do. So, um, yeah, and, and he ended up uh, being very violent so I had grown up swearing to God that no man was ever going to do to me what my dad did to my mum. All right. It yeah. was never going to happen. I was, as young people we are, we're so black and white, aren't we?
0: Yeah. We
1: pass judgment <laughs> on other people all the time. You know, I will never do that. And and fell and in love with this, this young man who very slowly introduced violence into the relationship. And the one thing that I, I've always kept in my head is there was – so I ended up – I stayed with my auntie and my cousins for a little bit, but then she said, you know, you've got to get a job. You can't yep. – there was no such thing as Centrelink back then. So, you know, you've got to get a job. So I ended up over – I was moved to Bandy. I ended up in St. George, living at the CWA Hostel and getting a job in a local cafe. And, of course, right. that was to be near this person um, who lived across the road with his brother. Um, and – I ended up with a job at one of the pubs. So I was working in this new restaurant that opened up and he ended up booking a room there so that he was an apprentice mechanic. And lunchtimes he would uh, come home and have a sleep and he'd say to me, come up and wake me up, you know, in an hour or half an hour whatever. And one day I did that. I went up to wake him up and as he woke up, so I reached out to sort of shake him and as he woke up, he woke up with his fist and just, he literally sent me flying you. across the room. Okay, like literally. Gosh. I just and I crawled back to him on my hands and knees. I crawled back to that bed crying and apologizing.
0: Oh stop. The things I we did. do when we and when we I, don't know.
1: I ended up I ended up in, in so one of his best mates, um, or two of his best mates used to work together. They had a reputation around that town. They used to like to get the young girls and take them for drives and rape them. Oh, God. Okay? And one night he ended up taking me for a drive. I got in an argument with my boyfriend and, and he said, oh, come for a drive, you know. And me, I, tr- I trust – I still do. I trust everybody. Okay? So I did and he ended up holding a gun to my head. Um, oh. I ended up crying out for my brother. I don't know why, but I just remember crying out for my brother. And for some reason, he never followed through. And when I got back to the hostel, there was a young police officer that liked the lady that ran it. So he was there and I walked in in tears and said, what happened? So they convinced me to charge him. Uh, The town actually turned against me because I was charging one of their boys. Yeah. Right? So I got sent home. The judge... The judge actually yeah. sent me home and I had to go back to my mum and dad. So that's the only way though. I would have still been there with that that my boyfriend. That they sent me home and after three months I was out of it and got over him and suddenly thought, What the hell were you doing? Yeah. What were you doing? So that day in the park we where I called for an back escape, to him. I think. Yeah, yeah, I've kept that in my head as my guideline. But what it taught me was You can't judge anybody. You cannot judge anybody because I was so determined and I still ended up in that. And when you're in that sort of a relationship, so I still hear people say, Why doesn't she just leave? Why doesn't she just leave? Excuse me. (laughs) I'll tell you why she can't just leave. You know, so yeah. And so I quietly myself, I guess, for the rest of my life have been an advocate. If I living in places like Kenya when I was teaching yep. and I had a job out there um, and I had a few other jobs in the territory and communities. But when I would hear women screaming for help and their bloke is getting stuck into them, I would not only put myself right there, my gate, they would come to know that my gate is always open to them and they could come oh, into sure me and I would call the police and I would stand up to their blokes and tell them, I'm calling the police right now and the blokes learnt if they wanted to have a go at their woman, they, they carted them a long way away. Cause I, my ex husband oh, used to God. say to me all the time, stay out of it. It's none of your business. And which is a good reason why he's my ex. And <laughs> I would go, I would go, you know, no, I won't. I'm oh, not going to. Oh my
0: God. You're making you me know? feel all teary now.
1: No, don't do that.
0: Don't. No, but I, it's, I mean, you're so strong, really, when, when you've had, when you had so many things thrown at you. Anyway, keep, keep telling me the story. So, when you left him so and ended I, up back I, at your parents.
1: I ended up back down around Greta, Frankston area there, um, met up with my next door neighbor who was about seven, eight years older than me, um, and said to him, uh, I want to have a baby.
0: This is so at he 16- went, how old are you then? 18. Uh,
1: I was 17, I think, when I got pregnant. Oh, I, I wow. was just gone 18 when I gave birth. Um, wow, Cherie. So, so, yeah, so he was like any typical young bloke. He's like, yeah, no worries. Um, <laughs> didn't really plan on hanging around. But of course, both our families got involved and went, oh, you've, you know, blah, blah, blah. My dad said to me, and he never accepted my granddaughter for a lot of years, um, uh, his granddaughter, um, because he said that. <laughs> and my dad, it just used to blow my mind. He said, "You're not married. You're not married, so she's not my granddaughter." And I'm going, "But I'm your daughter. It's a bloodline oh my God. here, right? can yeah. you?" Yeah. So, so he went. I think no, she was probably 11 months old. When he finally sort of yeah, she was probably Fair 11 enough. months old. He find, but then he did a turnaround. He went from not accepting her as his granddaughter and not wanting anything to do with her, to then wanting to take her and raise her. Trying to convince my mother oh. they needed to take her <laughs> off me. Oh, right, and my mummy's saying, um, "You might not like what she does and and all the rest of it, but that baby is immaculate all the time." Her, you know, like she She's looks after, after that baby. There's no way anyone's going to take that baby off her. Plus, my mom never wanted us. <laughs> the right. last thing she wanted to do was raise grandkids, right? So, yeah,
0: yeah, right.
1: So, yeah. So, so, so yeah, what so what did we you do? Up, so how long, how long did you stay with your parents? Um, I, I, no, I, I, I just moved out very quickly with them, <laughs> yeah, um, and ended up with, with. Uh, as soon as I got pregnant, I ended up with Michael and we lived together. I got pregnant. Um, I got pregnant again pretty quickly, and thought I can't do this. Um, my baby was teething. I used to get morning sickness really badly, um, and I I went and had an abortion. Um,
0: so then I couldn't
1: get over that. So I got pregnant again um, because I couldn't wow. handle having Deal had an abortion. This. So. So when we had our second baby, we decided, well, we better get married and shut the parents up. Um, I didn't really want to and I probably shouldn't have, but, you know, hindsight. So we ended up married. We ended up with four children. I had four children by the time I was 24. We ended Oof. up living out. Uh, we would moved up near Bingra, um, up north of New South Wales. Right. Um, he was not a physically abusive man, but um, when I finally, we constantly broke up. Um, we, we were always splitting up and getting back and splitting up and getting back. And I look back and I enabled him to do what he did. He used to run around on me all the time. And and when I finally got out of the relationship and it was like a light bulb moment one night, um, I looked back and I thought I was still in an abusive relationship because whenever I was with him, I, I didn't end up with any friends. I couldn't paint. I couldn't be creative, no music. I couldn't do anything that he felt was Making him feel like he was uneducated, um, which so, he was,
0: and you weren't, I guess. So that was that was yeah. always going to be an issue. But he also was a, on top of that, looking after four young babies when you're young yourself, you don't have time really to focus on anything other than the kids and and getting some sleep and doing the basics. So I, it, it's I yeah, I
1: played with my kids a lot, and I <laughs> sewed, and I still did stuff. I stopped doing my art because they used to destroy my art yeah. things. <laughs>
0: Um, so, you've always been arty though? You, you, uh, since you the youngest, sort of I
1: remember I found a book of my mum's where she'd drawn pictures in at school. Um, but once she had, once she left school and that, she never did art ever again. Um, right. I couldn't convince her to do anything. She wouldn't do it. Um, I remember as a teenager her saying something to me about the fact that, because she said something about me being a good artist, because I was selling artwork as a teenager. Right. Okay. Um, So, I remember her saying something about uh, how good I was, and me saying, But, mum, you were really good. And she just went, I was a copier. I was a copier. I could copy things. She said, But you can just sit down and draw something. Um, Amazing. And, and yeah, but what I've discovered is it's just all practice. So, when I stopped doing art, and i got back into it out at volcania again like really got back into it out there um i discovered that i wasn't as good and i had to build up that that Skill goodness again. again yeah um and it's just practice yeah, it, it makes really sense, is just practice um everybody's an artist everybody's a different kind of artist um and but everybody has the ability to be an artist of some kind so people who do craft go oh i'm not an artist I go, look at what you do.
0: Yeah. You're an
1: artist. I have a friend who loves to organize offices. So she's a bookkeeper and she loves to get in and set up their filing systems and and I tell her all the time she's an artist. She's an artist at what she does because she does such a great job of it um, and loves, that's her passion. Yeah. You know, um, we've all got yeah, a passion for well, I guess for it's a
0: different way of looking at it, but certainly creatively, um, if you if you've got a love of it, everyone can do it. If like you say, as, as just learn the skills or practice.
1: Oh, look! And some people do have a natural talent to do it more. But I think I think the natural talent, and I've looked, spent a lot of time with kids now, with people. I'm always looking and and yeah. learning. I guess because I've never had any formal. I've had a teach, got a teacher's degree. But never had any formal art training, um, and what I've discovered is is that the people who have a natural talent are people who have a passion and practice it. Yeah. So that's where their natural talent comes from. They they follow that passion, um, and and we grow up, and women especially, we so lose it. We and especially women of my age. We were expected to have, you know, get married and have babies. Even then we were still expected to. Um, So that was around the, you know, the 70s, whatever. Um, And that expectation was there and it might be expected, oh, well, women's live now, you can go out and get a job, but you were still expected to come home and run the house and raise the children and do all that as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, crazy. We learned
1: to put ourselves aside. We're we're mothers. We mother everybody. And even women who never had kids, if you – talk to them, you often find that they still mother the people around them yes. and put themselves last. And so anybody who had a passion, they lose it. You know, they, they lose it. Um, the but often
0: when people retire, you see art comes back for a lot of people when they've got the time. Yeah. It's just it's just a pity that they leave it so long. I now, just. Listen, we, ha- we haven't oh. got too much longer and I want to hear more <laughs> of your story. So. Talk to me. So you've got four kids and you've got this bloke that you um, are starting to realise is abusing you, so um, verbally, anyway, or emotionally. Well, so where did you go next?
1: I didn't really realise it, I suppose. Like I said, our whole life together was breaking up and getting back and all the rest of it. I ended up, we ended up, um, we ended up moving around quite a bit. He'd, he'd end up moving jobs. So he ended up getting a job on, he followed me up to being he got a job on a property. Um, yeah. And he ended up moving. When things didn't suit him, we'd have to move. Right. So something I promised I'd never do to my kids, um, but we did. And I ended up over at Grafton, and so I started doing a TAFE course. And then when it came to the second year, I'm thinking I want to do triple uh, C, do preschool teaching, that type of stuff. Right. Um, and I, I found out that I'd have to move up the coast to do it. So when I looked at that, I thought, do I move up there to do that, or do I move back to Armidale because we'd lived around Armidale there? Do I move back there and put myself into university because I'd grown up wanting to be a teacher? I right. grew up wanting to be a teacher, so I yeah. thought, well, do I you'd do be that? The and most do it?
0: amazing teacher, <laughs>
1: <I> was, <laughs> you are actually. such a
0: natural. Like, and I'm not surprised you'd want to I do it. I was, that. I
1: was pretty crap with the bureaucracy, and principals really hated me, but, but I was kids. an awesome teacher. Okay. Yeah, um. So, So I decided to go Armadale and do a teaching degree. And I did that with my husband saying to me, um, his attitude was, he used to tell me all the time, you, you always give up on everything, you won't finish it, you'll never finish it because uh-huh. you always give up. And I used to give up on things I started because he would create such a problem that it was easier to stop doing something and shut keep him up than and- it was to continue. <laughs> yeah. So this – I got to a point in my life where I thought I was about 36. I just thought, I'm going to do this in spite of you, you know, I I, and that was the attitude mean. I went to university with. I'm going to do this in spite of you. So at the end of the first year, even having two children still living with me and I was homeschooling them, um, my older two daughters both ended up, um, well, the first one ended up having a baby first. So that all happened in that first year. Right. Um, and so I was still doing all of that as well, and I ended up with a letter from the dean um, congratulating me on my passes and everything. So, oh, amazing! I'm oh, yeah, glad you was are pretty, such
0: an inspiration.
1: It was a boost. Well, it was what I needed yeah. to finish. So, so I did, and and I ended up leaving university and going. Uh, getting a job in the territory, so I could. I'd found out by then that we had family, so I wanted to try and trace my family. And are you
0: still with, with Michael at that stage?
1: Uh, right. Well, he, he chose not to come.
0: Right. He so chose sort of not the to come. Of the end.
1: So I ended up there. Um, I ended up there for about 12 months. The next year, I ended up with a permanent position in Tennant Creek. I ended up leaving there because my youngest daughter ended up home with her dad, right. and I couldn't. I couldn't deal with that, so I found a job in Queensland near the border, and came back. Yeah. Um, we sort of ended up back together a bit. Um, by the end of that year, I'd ended up with a posting out to Will Kenya. Again, he said he was going to come out, and he didn't. Right. And what happened at Will Kenya? Well, can I just ask, where's Will Kenya? Oh, west out near Broken Hill. Oh, okay, right out there. Yeah. 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 Awesome place. Lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's about two, about five hours from me. Right. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, what happened out there was I ended up meeting and making friends with a couple of other new teachers that were mature age like me. Um, I ended up with a social network and I ended up, because I had the high school special ed boys, I brought art and music into the classroom for them. So I ended up back in my art. Okay. So I had all these loves back in my life. He ended up coming over after the end of first term and discovered that there was a a man there who actually had an interest in me.
0: Uh, And he decided, uh you know,
1: he really had this attitude of, you know, I don't want you, but nobody else can have you. (laughs) So, and he (laughs) played that game before where he did the crying around and, and I didn't want to give in, but then my kids, who'd always supported me in not being with him, suddenly said, oh, you know, because he was crying to them. You know, they're like seeing this side of So I took fears. him back.
0: <laughs> right. But it
1: didn't last very long. Um, yeah. He was running around in Kenya. I mean, <laughs> come on.
0: It's, You're not allowed to, but he is. It's five
1: blocks. It's five blocks wide, you know, like I'm yeah. not going to know what's going on. And and I had all the support of the community there saying, you know. And so in the end, um, in the end, I just, uh, I, I'd sort of given him an ultimatum and he just thought stuff that she won't. And, and so he just went ahead and did whatever it was anyway. And I packed his bags and told one of my daughters to come and get him and take him away. And when he tried to play up a bit, that was my light bulb moment. I just I remember getting up at daylight one morning with him outside the the fence calling out and sort of saying, you know, blah blah blah. And I remember standing there and saying to him, If I never meet another man, if I am never with anybody else for the rest of my life, I still never want anything to do you. with you. Right? Wow. That was it. And yeah. And suddenly he became the victim. Um, <laughs> he started running me if down. See, and if,
0: if anyone could see me, I'm sitting here rolling my eyes, this <laughs> bloody victim that you've given 50 million chances to.
1: Look, and, and, but he did. He played the victim and he took the kids who actually stood up to him and said, Dad, you're the one who ran around on her. You're the one who treated her like crap. How can you talk about her as though you're the one who's been badly done by. But, of course, what I did was <clears throat> I took away his power. I had yeah. enabled him for years to do what he wanted and I always took him back. So, in a way, he was right to say, you know, I'm the bad person because I did. I totally left him rudderless in his life, but I'm not not uh, sad I did that. <laughs> and I... I understood this light bulb moment that happened. It really was a light bulb moment. And I realised that I did not love him. I felt sorry for him. Um yeah. but karma's a bitch. Karma's <laughs> a bitch. And even now he's a very unhappy man and I don't have anybody in my life. I haven't had anybody for quite a few years now. Um and I'm happier than I've ever been. Yeah, well,
0: certainly you come across as an incredibly cheerful and happy woman, that's for sure. (laughs) And with all of that background, um, it's amazing. So tell me, after he left and you were in Wilgunya, oh, no, you'd moved, I can't even remember where you were, but after you left, what did you do then?
1: I I ended up still staying there and working for a while. I had another teacher came to the school who um, I didn't end up staying with, But I ended up going out with for the time, rest of my time there. And he was an amazing man and he taught me to value myself. Um, and I look back and it never would have succeeded because he had his own issues and he suffered from anxiety, which I didn't know about at that stage. Um, I suffered depression, but yeah. So, and so he was my turning point. And, and I ended up, I ended up moving because I needed to move away from Michael because he yeah. just kept trying to create such an issue in our life. Um, so yeah, so I ended up moving away. I, I had taken on when I first went to rural Kenya, I had taken on the care of a grandchild. Um, my yeah. daughter had a baby and didn't want to have an abortion or anything, but didn't want to adopt this baby elsewhere, had two children she already struggled with. And I had already raised my eldest granddaughter for a few years and then her mum came in and just took her, so that was pretty devastating. Um yeah. and so I I mean, looking back this child up uh, and knowing her as I know her now, she deliberately got pregnant because right. she wanted to be the good daughter. And I didn't want another baby, but in the end agreed to take her on because I'd raised her sisters, you know, so Yeah. So anyway, so my journey with Willa began. Um and so we ended up moving away and, yeah, it was sort of, you know, I I, I still had this attitude of I need a man to be worthwhile. So right. I was in and out of relationships for quite a few years, um, then ended up out of one for a couple of years and thought, you know, I've done all this discovered personal development, um, really all this great stuff. Then I ended up taking on the care of the rest of Willa's siblings, which was five
0: more children
1: by oh that stage. Oh, my
0: goody. Um, how old are you at this stage in your life? This four, was six? at the
1: start of 2010, so I was 49 or I turned 49 that wow. year. And
0: you had five young kids. What ages?
1: Uh, 18 months, about 18 months I was oh. the youngest, up to 11 at, when I wow. first got them. And Willa wow. was in the middle yeah. there. Yeah. Um and it ended up having to go to court because they started telling me the sort of life they'd been leading. Um, my daughter has major issues, um, and she was the most violent and worst thing in their life. But she also allowed a heap of. They they make movies about what happened to my grandchildren. So so I ended up in a six year court battle for custody. Yeah. Um, it, wow, you would have
0: thought that they'd just go, yep, have have them. Take them away from that terrible situation. I
1: have no uh, no doubt. I have no what happened was she gave them over to start with, but then they started telling me things, and she realised they were letting the cat out of the bag. Uh, but then she also needed money, and she needed them back, right? Oh, they were her income. Yeah, because- so. Um, I tried getting into rehab and everything. What I know now is none of that would have helped her because she has her, her major issue is a personality disorder and the only way to treat that is you yourself. You, yep, There's no medication. Right. There's no anything to do. Um, but, you know, so six years, so I ended up without my job because I ended up not being able to work and look after these kids. I'd, I'd salary package that year before. I, a youth, it was my dream youth. I made it on the computer. They had to make it in the factory for me. It's in it's in R.M. Um, Williams Ute magazine for two thousand and nine. Yeah, um, two thousand and yeah, two thousand and nine because I won a Ute muster up at a, me,
0: a Ute design award.
1: <laughs> uh, I, well, no, it was I, I won a Ute muster uh, at at um, uh, I can't think of it up the top of the hill from Cairns. Um,
0: Oh, no, no, I can't, can't think of the
1: name, but anyway. So I, I wanted a show, one a Ute muster, so that was pretty awesome, um, and <laughs> and um, but yes, but I ended up losing my youth because it was salary packaged, and once I gave up my job, then I didn't have an income to continue the uh, payments, and plus a youth and six kids just don't go together. Even though my little grandson used to say, "Can we just go up to you know, go out to the river?" Um, it's like, babe, we can't. I fit two in the U and he's like, well, just put us in the back and put the cover over it. Yeah, put us in the back and don't tell anyone. (laughs) I said, we were at Cobar at the time. I said, this is a small town. The coppers know me, okay? They're going (laughs) to go, okay, so you're leaving town with one child. Where have you left the rest? (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: right. That's right. Amazing. And Okay, well, look, we're going to have to wind it up, but I thought I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours. What a story, Cherie, and you're such a beautiful artist and I know that all the women in the She's the Boss group love all your work. So for anybody that's listening, how can they see your work and how can they find out what else it is that you're doing?
1: Okay, well, if they they Google... Um, Cherie Stokes, it usually comes up with things, but, uh, my, my business name is original art by Just um, dot uh, just.com .com. for my website. Um, and if you Google that, it'll bring up my Instagram and my Facebook, because of course all of them are under the same thing. Original um, art and feel by free Cherie. to go and follow me and like me and do all those wonderful things that, that social media loves. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, certainly go and check out my art. But also come here to the gallery. Um, it's Nuremberg Barang Gallery at Trundle in Central West New South Wales. You can find me on Visit New South Wales and you can find me on TripAdvisor. And um, you really need to come because my artwork is full of healing dots and you need to touch it. People need to touch it. So. Um, it's Oh my God! If there's
0: one thing I do, I'm going to make my, that trip up there at some stage to go and touch all your art. But thank you so much for, for being so open and so honest and sharing that incredible story with me, Cherie.
1: Can I say one just one little last thing? Of okay, course you can. it's a message to anybody who's listening. Um, I have had a lot of crap happen in my life. I've had even more horrifying things happen to my grandchildren, to my children, etc. Um, but I understand very fully now and and I've I've been so depressed. I've been hospitalised. I've tried to kill myself on numerous occasions. I have scars to prove lots of things. But, and I'm not saying that I don't want sympathy from anybody. I'm saying it because what I've discovered is, is that you cure depression yourself as well, okay? Every day you make a choice and every day I make a choice to be happy. And in the past few years, um, with all the great stuff that's happened, I've also had some really devastating stuff happen in my family as well, but I look at it as two things. One, the universe always gives you something um, when you think that you are at your depths, okay? If you just hang on, the universe rewards you with something fantastic, okay? And I know that's true now. Yes. Um, And I choose every day to wake up happy. It's a choice.
0: It is. I choose I totally not to agree. be depressed.
1: I choose to be happy. So, I totally
0: agree. It is. Yeah. And it's a hard thing, but again, like anything else, if you practice it, it comes easier it's, and easier to you. You've got to look at the positive, and if you can't find a positive, just ignore it yeah. and keep going because things will get look, better.
1: And you tell yourself what you tell yourself is your own. It becomes your truth. So yes, you need to tell yourself this stuff, and at first you're lying to yourself, but then it becomes your truth. And yeah. it's not a lie anymore. Um, and it's it's simple. It really is really simple. Not easy, but it is simple to do. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that is a brilliant, brilliant piece of advice to end up on. So thank you so much, Cherie.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to boss.com.au.